Are we recording? 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 Welcome to Evolve Your Brand Podcast. We have the one and only, one of the top agents in the North County area, Lord Chacon or Efrain? I like Lord Chacon. Chacon. Lord, Lord Chacon? Yeah, it's starting to pick up. Okay. Uh, my other business, I think now people call me that. <laughs> and that started as an accident. Uh, I jokingly, I was forced to be on Zoom during COVID. Okay. So I changed my name to Lord Chacon and I asked Perfect. everybody to address me as Lord Chacon and they actually did it. So I forgot to change it when I started my other business. And then I was on a Zoom with about, I don't know, 70 to 100 other uh, financial professionals. And I'm the asshole that had Lord Chacon. And I haven't met these people. So they started calling me Lord Chacon. And they some of them think I'm a lord. I, I actually am a huge fan <laughs> of Game of Thrones. So Lord Chacon, the one and only. That's me. And... Uh, let, let's, we're going to do a 60 second rapid fire, buddy. Let's oh, go. Shit. Oh, right. yeah. Oh, all yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. First Are of you all, ready? what? Yeah, I'm ready. But just so everyone knows, you didn't tell me anything about today. Oh, absolutely not. I don't know what is about to happen. Yes. So, so let me explain to our audience and please comment below because I'm really looking forward to your <laughs> feedback on this. The whole point is the podcast isn't fun. When I hit him with questions, he has, we've, we've known each other for some time. So this has got to be impromptu. He has no idea, no clue what we're going to be talking about. Hey, can you come on the podcast? And he said, yes, didn't ask any questions. So let's rock and roll. 60 seconds starting now. Uh, uh, Ferrari or Lambo? Ferrari. If you could have whiskey with anyone that's no longer living, who would it be? And what would be your first question? Fuck. I don't know that person. Let's skip that one. I'll come back to it though. Okay, we're gonna come back I'm... to that one. Okay, uh, best part of living in San Diego? Everything is close, everything. Okay. I live in an equestrian town with only three stoplights and the beach is only 20 minutes away. Downtown is only 45 minutes away. We were just talking yesterday, I was in Warner Springs. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful area. It only took me an hour and I got to see some wild turkeys, freaking amazing cattle out there i mean rolling hills that's the best part of san diego everything is nearby no matter where you live okay that was a nice pitch for the finest city in in the u.s and the worst part of san diego not shit <laughs> uh the city officials the city okay. government officials okay we're, we're not gonna go down this at rabbit hole you asked so you all got a break <laughs> you all got a break you're welcome uh i have names you're 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 no 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 we're not going there your favorite kid? They're all my favorite kids. Nice, yeah. nice save, nice save. <laughs> <laughs> nice save, folks, that was a total setup. And However, yeah. let's see if they watch this. Okay, that's a good point. If you are the favorite kid, you should drop your name in the comments. Yes. If you won $10 million today, what car would you buy? Just one? What car would you buy? Bentley Cars. Continental GT, GTC with okay. the V12 engine. Ooh. All white, black interior, black top, black rims. And you have chrome, them all uh, chrome delete. Anything that's chrome is also going to be black. Okay. So if you're a car enthusiast, 
Trust me, dream. this man knows his cars. Uh, biggest influencer you follow? Uh, Damn, I follow a few. The biggest one, the one that stands out to you, stands out the most. Patrick Bet David. Ooh, that's good. He's he's definitely a de uh, next level thinker. Uh, number one on your bucket list. Go to space. Ooh, that's good. Uh, Florida or California, Texas? Which one? Florida. Florida. Yep. How come? Uh, well, I'm a disabled vet, so I get a lot of benefits there. Okay. But I also love being close to the beach, and I already have the town that I want to live in, in in Florida. That's also 20 minutes away from the beach, but it's in a it's a rural town. Okay, so yeah. you're definitely going to become a homeowner in Florida. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yep. Okay. And Texas. I will own property in Texas, uh, but that's for business purposes because they are way better for businesses than California. Any. That, I was, <laughs> okay, perfect. We're going to leave that. So that was our 60 seconds. Uh, one last question. Dog or cats? Dogs. Dogs. Of course. Yeah. Right. Okay. Everything in life has to have a point. Seriously. And I'm sorry for those of you that have cats. I've had a cat. Well, my daughter had a cat. Uh, and they are pointless. I don't do cats. Okay. So we're going to jump into it and really talk about your story. But I don't think it's just one facet of real estate. I think we got to jump into the whole thing. So where did it all begin? Where are you from originally? And how'd you end up in San Diego? Uh, well, I was born in LA County. Uh, for the first 12 years of my life, it was a lot of back and forth between LA and El Salvador. Uh, my parents always wanted to, you know, just strive for the best for us. So given us the American opportunity, but it's tough here, you know, even, uh, for first generation, like my parents, uh, coming over and, uh, you know, things got difficult at times, especially, uh, the Northridge earthquake, we were homeless for a little bit after that. So my parents bought a, uh, like a charter bus and we drove that sucker from here to Texas, Texas to El Salvador. My, my dad started a, uh, like a bus business because there's no public transportation in El Salvador, uh, along with a small little liquor store, some other stuff. And uh, we were there for, for a few years. And then when my mom got pregnant with my little sister, she wanted her to be born here. So in 96, we finally came back for good and stayed here since. And then grew up in LA from 96 all the way to 03. 2003, joined the Marine Corps. Marine Corps got me to San Diego. I was already married, had kids, uh, fell in love with it. Like you came to San Diego 2003? No, I came to San Diego in 2006. Okay. Yeah. So 03, I joined the Marine Corps. 06, had a kid, wife, pregnant. That quick. Yeah, I, I move fast. Yep. I got goals. Fast, fast mover. <laughs> so biggest, uh, your dad sounds like an entrepreneur. What's his name? Uh, George. George. Yeah. So, so both of them. So my mom also, so another time that we were in El Salvador. already stealing the thunder, bro. Go. My, my dad was actually here in the U.S., because uh, my parents had a house here and he was finalizing some stuff. So my mom owned a photo studio. It was the, it was the best, it was the number one photo studio in our, in our area. So they did everything from, you know, events. They did um, regular headshots, family portraits. Um, I, I grew up in a, in a dark room, like in there, you know, uh, I thought it was fun. I just had an epiphany. Huh? I know why you're so comfortable on social media. Yeah, but I don't like social media. You it know doesn't that. matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that could be it. Um, You're an extrovert. Yeah, I've always been an extrovert. Yeah. I'll talk to anybody. I mean, I've, I've, I've never been kidnapped, but kind of. When I was a little kid, I got into a trash truck because I was fascinated with trash trucks. <laughs> and I was found uh, 
a while later because uh, the trash guy never noticed that I was in the other seat. I was just there, little little kid. Nice, awesome. So yeah, I don't, I don't. Ever since I was a little kid, I've I'll talk to anybody, and if if it's fun, fuck it. Nice. It. What's the biggest uh, What's the biggest lesson you learned from your dad, from George? Uh, my work ethic. Okay. You you don't get nothing unless you work for it. It's it's that it. You don't put work, you're not gonna get it. And my 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 dad taught me that. Yeah. That that's that's a heck of a man. What about your mom? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, okay i want to hear that story yeah. no i want to hear that story with my mom it had to do with ed my education like, okay always pursue education you know not necessarily specifically a college or something but always be learning always absorb knowledge and be responsible which i never was <laughs> so that's why i chuckled because she tried right. and still and when i mean responsible i mean responsible it, yeah, like, like, you know I, it's natural she, as a mom you don't want your kid doing all the stupid shit i did you know right. so that's what i mean by be more responsible you know be be safer you know and right. i i never was I, i'd get hurt get up and just keep going it's fun you know so you so got entrepreneurship like, spirit from your dad you got the growth mindset from your mom mm -hmm. they're like a dynamic duo how long have they been married uh they oh shit they got divorced after like 22 years i think of marriage oh okay yeah so they've Holy been divorced they've been divorced since uh 2005 so they've been divorced for for quite a while okay mm -hmm. what, did, what did you learn what, what have you learned from their like marriage that you apply to your life uh, not to be a dick but do the opposite okay there you go. Uh, I'm going on 17 years of marriage. Sweet. And I hope it's another 17 and another 17 on top of that, you know, and again, not, I'm not trying to be a dick, but my parents are divorced. It didn't work out for them. And, um, they, I never saw it. I never saw the issues. They were really good at hiding anything negative from myself and my siblings. So I never saw it. So their divorce was a complete shock to me. Um, but I will say I, I cannot remember a single time they actually tried communicating. And that's something that my wife and I do. Nice. And we we try to talk things out. We're we're a lot better now. Uh, before it was my communication was I will talk and you will listen. <laughs> that's not communication. <laughs> and so you know we we bump heads all the time. But now it's let's talk. And if we cut each other off, which I have a bad habit of doing, I've told her, tell me, hey, you cut me off. Stop. It's not your turn. And we'll do it. And and she's not trying to be a dick about it. But it's that's you got to call each other out. You and I do that all the time and we appreciate it. And even though sometimes it can be hard, we call each other out. How has your marriage made you better as an entrepreneur and a business leader? I don't think I would be where I'm at right now if it wouldn't be for my marriage. Okay. Um, simply because, and when I say marriage, I mean the kids too, like family-wise, let's say family, because they're the reason I do it. Like. I can be very, I could be homeless and happy. Like, I don't give a shit. You know, I grew up with, I, without materialistic things. So to me, they're just, they're, they're toys. They're, if, if I ever, like, if I was single, I probably would be living in an RV, even if I still made the same amount of money and I'd be happy. I'd be content, but I'm in a position where I can give those things to, to my family. Right. And they don't have to grow up without the stuff that I grew up with. So it's easy for me now to say yes, if they've earned it, everything is still earned in the house. So if they've earned it, yeah, no problem. How is that a driving force for your determination every day? Because- Their happiness, like the yeah. most, like 
thinking of because obviously it wasn't always like this this lifestyle just happened like three four years ago so it hasn't been that long and prior to that it it was heartbreaking to say no because not that they didn't deserve it or earn it but because you couldn't afford it how many families are you seeing running into that problem is like can you relate with that right now what's 100 percent okay a lot and uh i think that's what also pushed me to become a financial professional that I learned so much about money. And one thing I'm trying to, to change, at least with my sphere, my friends, my family is get rid of the stigma of talking about money. That's why I didn't know shit about money because no one ever talked about money. Schools definitely don't want you to learn about money. If schools taught us about money, we would not be paying taxes the way we pay taxes right now. But there's a reason why they don't teach us about money because they want to create employees. They want to create people who are okay with if the government says it's it, that's how it is. And that's how it is. Don't question it. Fuck that. And so for me, it's, it's completely different. I, um, as, as I came into money and I got my first tax hit as an entrepreneur, I asked myself, where is this money going? I don't see this fucking money coming back to me, right. to my, to my community, to the city. Why are my kids still fucking learning from textbooks that are 10 years fucking old? But I'm paying almost, I'm paying six figures in taxes. Right. So where's this money going? Oh, and then I see the news. Oh, it's going to everybody but Americans, right? How, how dare you ask questions about where your money is allocated? Fuck, no, you should. It's your, who worked for it? Who worked for it? You did. So you should know where every single cent of that money that is earned is going. And there's no, there, there, this whole thing of the rich always get away with taxes. The tax rule applies to every single taxpayer. And the moment I learned that is the moment I called one of my good boys, uh, Fletch, because he's been in the industry for a long time. And I was like, bro, show me your way. Show me how I can show other people to save money on their taxes and get their money to grow and save their money without ever having it take a loss. What is the number one advice you would give your kids when it comes to financial literacy? Sit down and learn from the people that are at the level that you wanna be at one day. It doesn't have to be dad, doesn't have to be mom, because you may not, I may not be at the level that, I may not be in the field that you wanna be in. If you wanna be a psychologist, go find a psychologist you look up to. And if they turn you down, then now you know their true colors too. I'm gonna give you a quote from Eric Thomas. You, you let me know after I get okay. into what you think. He said, uh, he told his mom that I'm leaving my W-2 job, I'm gonna become an entrepreneur. She asked, what were the benefits at, you know, uh, that uh, YouTube offers when it comes to 401k, all this stuff. She was like, mom, I love you, but you don't know how to be wealthy. I'll take your values, but I'm not gonna take your financial advice. What do you 100%, think about that quote? 100%. And a good parent should not get mad at that. A good parent should be, tell me what you know then. Our job is to guide our kids. So I still want to know why you're saying that. And then if I identify that, holy shit, that is the better way, then let's do it, right? But as a parent, I shouldn't be, uh, no, you're younger than me. You're just learning. You don't fucking know shit. So only listen to me. There, 
there are certain things that you have to put your foot down, but when it comes to them wanting to open their minds and learn and explore, we can still allow them to do it while holding their hand, making sure they don't take that, that big fall. They're going to fall. They're right. going to fall. And you have to let them fall. Right. Otherwise, you're creating kids who ex expect that there's never any repercussions in life. And then when they get hit with repercussions in life later on down the road, they're going to shut down. You know, how much how much of your like leadership uh, skills came from, you know, you've had you've had a lot of careers, police department, <laughs> yeah. Marines. So how much of that leadership, you know, transfers over to your family dynamic? Like, what did you take away from serving in the Marines and like the police department that helps you with the leader? Because that, that really is a family dynamic when it comes to leadership. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say it taught me much to bring to the family because when the way I was in the military and law enforcement, when I try to apply that same lifestyle at home, mm -hmm. it, it was wrong because, <laughs> because it was it was very narrow minded. It was single laned. It was this is how it is. And I'm dad and you're going to do it this way. That causes resentment. Right. You know, when instead identify how I can apply what I want them to do into their world in their own words, make them get it out of them. Use verbal judo. Like, so tell me why you want to do it like that. Okay. Yeah. I can see that working. Is there any other way? Let, let's, let's just see if there's any other way. And they might come up with the way you want them to handle it. They put themselves there without you. And now they're going to do it because dad didn't say it. My wife and I just had this conversation. I just, because I had it with somebody else where somebody else was like, Hey, can you, uh, talk to my kid? They're not, they're not listening, uh, uh on a certain topic. And I was like, ah, that's your, and then I was like, no, you know what? That makes sense. Kids will listen to a third party before they listen to their own parents. And it could be the exact same words. So there's nothing wrong with that. And so I was like, yeah, you know what? Now that I think about it. Yeah, you're right. Tell me what you want me to project. That's it. What and it's the same the thing. My, my, my kids, they'll hear shit. They'll, I have literally told them the exact same thing that they will fucking send me a TikTok video of. And they're like, dad, did you know this? My first reaction is, yeah, motherfucker. I told you that. Oh, but Waka Flocka fucking said it on TikTok. So it must be fucking true. But hey, whatever. It works. They're getting the knowledge, right? There's a reason why they watched that inspirational video when they could have been watching anything else because I plugged it in at some point and then in their subconscious now they see it here they don't know they don't remember that I'm the one that put it in there but they see somebody that they like who's influential and says it on the social media app that they love hey whatever they got the knowledge I you're preaching <laughs> to the choir as a parent you're like man can I ever get these kids to listen but I also think that we you know as an adult we got to do a better job of listening everybody's so busy talking we're yeah. really not listening to one another it's a common thing everybody's got mm -hmm. an opinion so when it comes to like um uh you went down the social media thing like how much right now do you see you know the impact that you make on social media impacting your community like what's your what what is your brand purpose over the next 12 months when it comes to the Chacon group you've had a lot of successes this past year um, where are you, where are you heading with, with real estate? Like, what's your opinion kind of talk about the San Diego market when it comes to real estate and what you see, uh, is going to happen over the next 12 months. So San Diego market, uh, in January I had called it and I said, the start of the second quarter is going to be the boom. Okay. Because in January I started seeing prices stop dropping. 
prices stopped dropping in San Diego. And not only that, but multiple office offers started happening in listings. So I saw that people kind of realized what we've been saying is don't worry about the rate. The house is what matters. You you care about the rate right now, but I get it. You're not going to get 2% big fucking deal. You're going to get 6% right now. But if you wait another 18 months, you're going to pay another hundred thousand for that house. Right. I can break down the math for you and tell you how long it's going to take for you to recuperate that on the hopes that the rates are going to be two to three percent again, or you can just buy it now and have the hundred thousand in equity eighteen months from now. So, Lord Chagun, uh, we we all watch a lot of social media, TikTok, mm -hmm. and every you know every agent will always say it's always the right time to buy. Okay, what what's your thought process about you know just categorizing, just throwing stuff out there? It's always a great time to buy refinancing on the road. Like, are you of that mindset that that that's a great strategy for everybody? Like, and and how come you think that? So it's not for everybody. Okay, it, it, it's always going to come down to number one: what's your goal? Why are you buying this house? And every real estate agent, if you're a professional, that should always be the first question you ask when you meet a buyer. Why do you want to buy this house? Because their goal is going to determine what properties you show them, what routes you take for them, and what how you can also help them achieve that goal. Because if you don't ask that and you think that this couple that looks like maybe they're in their early 30s reach out to you and say, I want to buy this house, and you take them, you write the offer, but in, their, in the end mind, what they wanted to do was actually maybe flip it or turn it into an Airbnb or rent it. You don't know. You're just assuming that they want it as their first home, and then in the middle of escrow, they tell you, Hey, uh, what, what are the, what are the rules on uh, short-term rentals here? And now you just wasted two to three weeks in escrow right. and their whole goal was to be a short-term rental. And maybe there's an HOA that doesn't allow that or a city. And now you just destroy, not you possibly lost them as right. clients as well, because they're investors too. They're smart. They're savvy. So I always like to ask, what's your end goal and where are you financially? Because your goal and your financial, um, your, your financial situation at that moment is also going to dictate where you can buy and how much you can buy. And then that goes into, okay, you can, might be able to afford 600,000 right now, but there's nothing available in the areas you want, but there's $500,000 townhomes. And then by asking those questions, maybe I learned that, okay, yes, I know that they want a house, but it's not possible right now. So show them the benefits of a townhome too. They can still afford it. They already said that in three years, they're going to be leaving anyways. Show them what the potential equity they could get. Like, that's what you have to ask those investigative questions, I guess. Yeah. That, I mean, if, if I was watching this episode, I would say that's very common sense stuff. Are you saying that it does? Yes, no one please. Does it. Okay. Yeah, uh, man, I'm, I'm shocked. Like, like real estate is a lot of work. Give me a story. Give me a story uh, to help me realize like that. That's, I think really what it comes down to. Yeah. Like what is a story of something that's recently happened that, that you were, it opened up your eyes. Um, damn, I have so many and I don't want to. We're not going to bring up any names. No, I, I know. It's just to give a, a, give the audience an idea that, you know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions that the media puts about, Put, yeah, put it like this. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is a, a good one where I think this could also help newer agents as long as you, you know your shit and you're professional and you know contracts. Like if I ask you paragraph 3L parenthesis 3 of the residential purchase agreement, tell me what that says. Like that's what I need you to know because 
if in real estate, if it's not in writing, it never existed and it's, it doesn't happen. And because of my experience in law enforcement and having <laughs> been in depositions, mediations, court, I know what, what attorneys are looking for. I, they're just looking for that small mistake to mind fuck you a little. And then they're going to hit you with the hard questions. And then you're really like, no. So I had this broker, uh, I was representing the buyers and, uh, the, the a the listing agent um who was also a broker um we we did the inspection we submitted a request for repair my buyers wanted certain things repaired in the home and the listing broker gave it to the clients and the clients accepted it so cool day 29 of a 30-day escrow we're doing the final walkthrough okay this is where my buyers can verify that all the repairs that we asked for are done the property's still in the same condition from when we made the offer well none of the repairs were made none they actually made all the repairs we didn't care about like we didn't want which was all the mickey mouse stuff the the very cheap you know easy stuff that we didn't care about i called the broker and i was like hey we got a, we got a problem here uh your clients didn't do any of the repairs and he's like what are you talking about here's the, the list and and he emailed it to me and i was like dude what are you talking about that's what we didn't want i wrote specifically what we wanted He's like, uh, I've been doing this for 30 years. I think I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I said, well, let's go over it together because I've been doing this for two years. So maybe I can learn from you. He read it wrong. The request for repair says, um, or when they, I'm sorry, when they, when the seller accepts your request for repair, right. it says seller accepts all of the, all of the buyer's requests except, and he wrote on there what we wanted done or whatever, vice versa. So where, where he wrote, except he told the clients, oh, that's what you have to do. Right. What the, which was the stuff that they agreed they wouldn't do. So anyways, at that point, my clients were pissed and that was a, a, a thing of principle. So like, you know what? Don't even worry about it. I don't want them making any of the repairs because they had already said, no, we're not doing it. You guys have to close escrow tomorrow. We're moving on. And I was like, Got no, it. we're not. Okay. Uh, so I told my clients, you guys still have, you can walk away from this deal. And they're like, I thought you said there were certain time periods. I was like, yeah, but in the state of California, unless it's removed in writing, that time period of contingency stays in place. So the morning we're closing escrow, I call the broker and I was like, hey, I'm sending you a cancellation of contract. We're killing the deal. He says, you can't do that. We're past our contingency periods. We'll keep right. the deposit. I was like, we're past the periods, but I never removed it in writing. And he said, it doesn't have to be removed in writing. Mm. I was like, well, why don't we call car legal right now? Because you're a broker. And now I'm really concerned more for your own clients. Like, I don't even care about you now, but your clients are military people. And the fact that you're representing them like this concerns me. And they're not even my clients. We called car legal. Car legal told me we will take it from here. You can hang up. And I don't know what happened, but they corrected him. 30 year broker was about a fucking, uh, not about to a 30 year broker cost his clients the sell of their home the day where we're going to close escrow. Yeah, I, I think that's a huge misconception, you know, being newer to the industry that, you know, ex experience, it, it doesn't come from years. No, experience comes from the volume that you produce. Right. Right. Uh, um, since 2016, I'm very blessed. Uh, I think we just passed now 135 million in sales. You know, and I get it all the time, especially because the, the license numbers are in chronological order as you get them. So mine starts with a two. So right. everybody assumes, oh, he's a fucking rookie, you know, and I've had it. I, oh, I'll give you another one. Uh, this was my third deal ever. So mind you, no experience, right? No experience whatsoever. Uh, we submit an offer. 
I'm, I'm representing the buyer, multiple offers. We went, they accept our offer. Uh, two week, we do the home inspection. Everything's going good. Two weeks into escrow, the agent calls me and says, Hey, I'm sorry, but my seller wants to cancel the deal. They can't find where to, where to move to. I thought I panicked. I thought I dropped the ball. Oh my God. Did I miss the little fucking checkbox that says it's contingent on replacement property? Right. So I reviewed the contract before calling my client. I was like, it's not on there. Hold on. I got to be, I'm, I'm wrong. This lady's been doing this. Also another broker with a major, major brokerage. Uh, so I'm thinking, shit, I'm wrong. So I call my broker. My broker's like, what do you know? They can't cancel the deal just because they didn't find somewhere to live. I looked at the contract. There's no contingency. And I was like, that's what I thought. Right. I know contracts, but this is like my third contract ever. So I want to make sure. And he's like, nope, call her back and tell her that's not how it works. And I was like, okay. So I call her and I was like, hey, listen, uh, my client doesn't want to cancel the deal. I haven't even called my client at this point. Why stress my client out? My client right. wants the fucking house, right. right? So why stress them out and tell them, hey, they want to cancel it, but they can't and they have no right, but I'm just telling you, like, no. So I call, I call her and she ends up telling me, hey, listen, the, the seller is actually my son. And uh, they, they flew to South Carolina. They just came back and he told me, mom, I'm really sorry, but we have to cancel it. There's, I can't find anywhere to live. And I was like, hold on. I kind of see where there's an issue now. So let's let's stop referring to him as your son and let's refer to him as your client. I think right now you're getting stuck in the mom mindset rather than a broker mindset. Oh. And that's and I was doing this out of like thinking maybe I'm trying to help her, right? right? And she's like, "Listen. I, I looked you up and I know oh at this point like my deals hadn't even been properly posted on the MLS, so it looked like I had done nothing. So she's like, listen, I know this is your first deal. You haven't done a lot of business, uh, but that's not how it works. The, the the seller wants to cancel it, so or my son wants to cancel it, so he has that right. And I was like, could you show me where in the contract it says that? Because I've read this thing, and I know it very well. And and she's like, just trust me. That, that's what she said, just trust me. My son is not gonna go through with this. My son, my son, and I, and I, I got mad, but I, I, I didn't snap until she said, your client doesn't have to be a dick about it. Your client is being an asshole and is going to leave my, my, my son and my grandkids homeless. So then I snapped because now she's talking shit about my client. <laughs> now, mind you, this is wrong. Please don't do this. Uh, I did it because at that point, I, I didn't care. But I was like, first of all, don't ever fucking talk bad about my client. And second of all, I already told you, he's your, your, your son is your client not your son in this situation. So put your fucking agent hat on and start talking like a fucking agent. And don't forget, they're going to end up homeless because they hired a shitty fucking agent who didn't put a contingency in place to protect them, to ensure they would not be homeless. Now you want to put your mom hat on? Hey mom, your son's going to be homeless. My client's moving forward with the purchase. Then I called my client. I told him what happened. He goes, fuck yeah. I want the house now. Okay. Like, Perfect. And uh, so they, they pushed back. Uh, some head guy at the brokerage called my broker and they're like, yeah, even, even their broker was like, send them a, a letter from a lawyer. Then, I mean, there's, we already talked to them. They're not right. listening. So my client had to hire a lawyer, wrote a very, uh, um, these lawyers are amazing. They wrote a very nice letter, uh, about 30 minutes after they got it. Cause it was certified mail. Um, we got the notification. Uh, I got the call saying we'll, we'll move forward. I was like, okay. So and again, no, no experience, right? right. Um, experience can e easily, I mean, I, uh, what I found out is if you're willing to study and put in the work, ethic, and that's, like, that's, yeah. that's absorb that's everything. Uh, uh, like Th that's George paying off right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's George and my mom, because I learned, 
I learn my shit and then I just hold on to it until I have to use it. Like there's no need for it to get to that point. Right. Actually, that's what I learned from working in the government. Uh, you know, I, I came up in the ranks pretty quickly and having to deal with people that are already, you know, they ended a 30 year military career and now they're 20 years in, 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 in law enforcement and I'm having to deal with them. I learned there's no point in arguing with those, with those people at all. And in fact, it, it might be shitty to say, but I, certain management people, I treated them like suspects, kill them with kindness. There's no point in, in getting crazy and violent and loud when you're dealing with, with obnoxious people on the street. You, it's the same thing with your fucking bosses. Oh, hey, sir, you seem upset right now. Maybe I should come back and we can uh, hash this out later. Nope, fucking talk about it right now, blah, blah. Okay, cool, but I'm letting you know right now, you raise your voice at me, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a problem. I'm not a Marine anymore. I am a civilian, I am a federal employee. You can talk to me correctly, or I'm gonna walk out of here. And then you can write me up, and I'll happily dispute that write up, and then everything's gonna come out on how you're talking to the employees. So I want to get back to what you talked about with real estate. I mean, with, with the last experience that you had with the mom. Attention to detail. Yes. What's the one thing, what's the one thing that real estate, just industry in general, can do better when it comes to attention to detail? Damn. <laughs> Damn is right, baby. Boom, there's your hard question. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll give you a perspective from a listing agent. If I get your offer, okay. And you don't even have the seller's name on there. That told that tells me that you didn't even take five minutes to look up the homeowner's name. Now I have to add it into each one of those 36 fucking pages on that contract manually. Okay. Hey, you just added more work for me. Thanks. Right. Oh, your terms. You read nothing in the confidential remarks of what my clients are asking for. Say so that again, please. You read nothing in the confidential remarks, which would have taken you 10 seconds right. of what my clients are expecting. So now you're writing me this offer that has everything against what my clients want. So you're not going to be considered. You might I'll be offering above ask, but if the right. terms are shit and it's not, and the terms mean something to my client, why would you set yourself up? Why would you set your clients up for failure like that? Do you, do you look at that level of detail on all your listings? Every, oh yeah. Okay. Every How single come? one. How come? Because I know the caliber of agent I'm going to be dealing with. And I know the type of escrow we're going to have, because just like I, like right now, I have a few offers on one of my listings. One of them is tens of thousands of dollars higher. The offer looks like a piece of shit. Okay. Uh, put it, oh, they didn't even put the, the buyers, they put the terms. They didn't even put any of the buyer's info. I had to fucking send it back to the agent to correct it. Okay. And my client want is leaning towards that because of the price. And I was like, okay, let me, let me explain it to you like this. It's tens of thousands of dollars higher. I've dealt with agents like this agent. It's going to be a nightmare. The clients are going to be a nightmare. They're going to be asking for every little thing. Oh, uh, chipped paint. Nope. I want $5,000 credit to repaint the entire interior. Then everything's going to fall through. That's going to be around day 21. So are you willing to waste 21 days right now? over just a couple thousand dollars, tens of thousands of dollars that you're probably going to lose anyways in the middle of escrow because they're going to ask for a $30,000 credit at the end. Or this one that's solid, they want it, they met all the terms, the offer was extremely clean, and it's out of all the offers, it's the only agent that actually called me and asked what you wanted. You absolutely just drop gold when it comes to standards as you know, when, as a listing agent. So first time homeowners in San Diego, I would say one of the toughest markets in the mm -hmm. US. If you're a first time homeowner, um, the numbers are ridiculous. What's your number one tip 
for first-time homeowners that are looking to get into the San Diego market when it comes to picking out an agent? What should, what's the number one question they should be asking? How much have you sold? And if they say, I'm new to the industry or I'm not experienced, okay. who's mentoring you? And then do your research on the mentor. Perfect. Because- So you shouldn't eliminate someone. You should, no. Okay. No, you how, shouldn't how eliminate- How come you're saying that? That's very, that, that's, that surprises me. Because we're talking about uh, that years in the business doesn't mean shit anymore. Okay. Right? Like there's so many agents out there, brokers. I mean, the two, I, the two experiences I just said were brokers. Right. 30 years in the business. I would never want them represent. I would rather honestly have a brand new agent who is willing to go ask questions and, and learn and, and, and absorb as much as they can to truly represent me properly. than somebody who's 30 years in the business won't listen to me is hard headed and hasn't even learned the new. F I have brokers, agents that have been in the business for decades that to this day, the contract changed last year and I still get offers with a contract from 2020. Tell me if they're paying, if they can't even, if they don't even know that California has a new contract, how do you think I'm going to fuck, I'm, I'm going to fucking negotiate with them. I'm going to wipe the floor fucking clean with them right. because they don't know shit. Is that who you want? Do you want the 30 year old, the 30 year experienced agent or broker representing you or somebody who's hungry, who's brand new? Okay. That, that was question one. The next question I would say is it's not even a question. Depending on their answer, right. trust your gut. That first answer is going to tell you whether they're in, in this for the commission or they're in this to help you reach your goal. If their answer is anything salesy, is anything scripted, it, like they can't just naturally speak from the heart. Or if their next, if if their answer doesn't involve any questions, asking you what you want, because that's my thing. I've had I've had it in in listing appointments. Like, why should we hire you? Well, love to answer that, Question. but first I want to know if I'm actually the right agent for you. And if you guys are for me, I'm very selective with who I work because I give 110% to every single one of my clients. And if you guys are going to take 200% of my time, that's time away from other clients. And that's unfair. So what are your goals? Now I just switched it up on them. Now I'm asking the fucking questions. So first time homeowners, if you're if you're looking in the San Diego, I would just say in California in general, because yeah. this market is tough. Tip number one, make sure you check their stats, you mm -hmm. check their reviews, figure out who their mentor is if they're new. Tip number two, trust your gut. Yeah, trust, trust your, your gut. gut. If your gut's telling you no, right. it's a fucking no. Yeah. And, and things, you know, as, uh, you know, as uh, Lord Chacon has mentioned, it, it, real estate is not easy. It's not. It's not cut out for everyone. And you want people that are really, really just, just all in, mm -hmm. all in. I mean, th those are the hitters that I see. Yeah. It's. It's never. There's never a day off. They're working twenty four seven. That's yeah, what real estate is. It's actually crazy. It, it's insane. The hours that we this, work. This whole I can make my own hours is bullshit it, it really your is client bullshit. makes your hours yes i got i got a i got a client 100 right, i got a client right now uh not in real estate in my financial business where uh he only works a night shift so i can't talk to him during the day because he's sleeping then running right. personal errands i have to talk to him when he's on shift or at night so our zooms are usually 9 or 10 p.m there you go you know whatever it the client will dictate your hours get, get your hustle if you're getting on. into real estate because you think i'm going to be able to have my weekends if you know me right. i i barely i'm barely getting my weekends back right now and even then i've had one weekend off this year i think you, you've sacrificed you've earned yeah. it you know oh, yeah, and, uh, don't get me wrong earned. yeah I've, I've definitely earned it but even at this level right my clients mean everything to me yep. so if i gotta work i gotta work it, it doesn't matter
the next move for the Chacon Group over the next six months? Where do you expect the Chacon Group to be in the next six months? I there's a certain number of agents on uh, on the team okay. that I either want to build them up within the company or help mm -hmm. them build their own team. Okay. Uh, with me and my like, it, our team is different, and you know that we're not like every other team. I don't see the agents as competition. I don't even see them as agents. I see them as partners. I want all of us to grow. I want all of us to win. And what I love about the way our company is set up is that if I were to help agent A build his own team, agent B build his own team, I help build them up and I want them to do the same thing. That's to me leadership. It's we're helping everybody grow regardless of where we're at. Even if they surpass us, we should be proud that our friends, that our partners are surpassing us. And that's what I want for the Chacon Group. I, I want to take the connotation or, or the, the, the stigma of real estate that we're, we're, I mean, we are sharks, but we're sharks for your goals. We're right. not sharks for the commission check. I mean, and and you know this personally. I I've, can attest to that. I've let go of agents because all they talk about is commission checks. Like, right. Then get the fuck out. I want people that are here to serve. I want people that are here to help guide the clients achieve their goals. So, fuck, how did I get into this? What are we, oh, the, the future of the Chicone Group. Yeah, um, so next that, six months. That's what I want. And I mean, so we're small. We're, we're only, what, seven agents right now? That's it. So if I was an agent that's relationship-based, the Chicone Group might be yep. the right team for, for 100%. me to take a look If at. you're relationship-based, if you're goal-oriented, I don't care how long you've been in the business either. Nice. You're coachable and you're coming to the Chacon group to learn how I got to where I'm at right now, then come on over. But if you only came here to learn, but then you're always going to give me pushback and say, this is how I've done it. This is how they've done it. And my old, if I hear in my old brokerage, this is get the fuck out. This is not the place. How do you really feel though? <laughs> no, seriously. Okay. What is the next Right move for Laura Chacon when it comes to business, not personal. Uh, Business-wise is to continue growing the Chacon Group, continue okay. growing my uh, financial business. Um, so we do- You can give a little- Yeah, we do um, uh, insurance policies. Okay. But these are, I mean, we do regular life insurance term, uh, but how we were talking about earlier about money, right? Yes. So, and I'll give you an example. There's a way- the wealthy, the super wealthy structure their business and why they don't pay personal income tax. So they own the corporation, right? But then they are an executive of that corporation. The IRS says the corporation can pay the life insurance benefits or the life insurance premium of any executive of the company. Nice. That life insurance policy is not just a regular million dollar term 30 year policy. It's an indexed universal life fund policy. What that means is that instead of you paying, let's say 70 bucks a month for a million dollar life insurance policy as an executive bonus plan, you can put three grand a month into this thing. Okay. Have a million dollar life insurance policy. Now, 71 bucks is going to cover the life insurance policy, right? The $2,369 left over is going to get invested into the market. I'm impressed. But because it's indexed, it's not variable like the stock market, right? right? Uh, a lot of people have this misconception too, where, oh shit, I lost 20%, but it went back up 20%. So I'm good. No, you're not. You're 20% up from the 80% that you were before. So you're not up back to hundred. You're still in a negative. Right. Index 
when the market goes down, it just flatlines. You lose, I, I have to guarantee, and this is why I got this license, because I got it to help others. Because I can guarantee you right now that you will not lose a single fucking penny with me. Stockbrokers can tell you that. Hedge funds managers can't tell you that, but I can because of the license that I specifically got. I will help you stop losing money in your 401k. Like last month, we did about a million dollars in rollovers from uh, people that had 401ks, 403bs over to annuities. Annuities are just policies that you can't take a loss. In fact, some of them have guaranteed returns even right now in this market. Not a lot, right. but it's better than the negative 14 to 22% we're seeing month over month on the 401ks. Right. So same thing with the life insurance policy. So because oh, getting back to it. So now the executive, the executive technically owns the company. Right. But on paper, he doesn't on paper. It's a corporation. And then he's just an executive. Now, since the company is funding that insurance policy, he can withdraw money at any time he wants from that policy. And the IRS says any payment that comes from a life insurance benefit is non-reportable, non-taxable. So a couple of people that do this, ah, well, we'll say one very important person, Warren Buffett pays no personal income tax. Elon Musk pays no personal income tax. All these heavy, heavy, heavy hitters don't pay personal income tax because they do it this way. Corporations that were started with money that came from indexed life insurance policies, McDonald's, no bank believed in the idea of fast food. So no one gave the Kroc brothers any money, any loan to start McDonald's. So they had an IUL, an index fund, uh, life insurance policy. So they took a loan against their own death benefit. Nice. And that's how McDonald's started. Walt Disney, same thing. No one believed in, in that type of amusement park. So he took money out of his IUL. Uh, the Rockefellers, every time there's a new Rockefeller baby born, they put approximately $25 million into a policy. By the time that child is 30 years old, it's $2.2 billion. That's what they do. And now I can teach you you, everybody out there, I can see you don't need a fucking million dollars. My kids have a policy. My kids have a policy. It's only a hundred bucks a month. How come, how come you think, I mean, you're very passionate about this. How come you think most people don't know about this? Like what was surprising to you? Because there's more money to be made in the other products. Okay. I can make way more money as a stockbroker. I can make way more money doing, right. doing other types of investments. I'm not in, look, I am in it for the money, but I'm not greedy. The money will come no matter what. The mo if I do good for people, the money's gonna come. But they don't even. This is a business. They don't even have to pay me. See, as a let's say I was a, I manage stocks. I got to charge you about a three percent fee, whether you win or lose. Right. I got to charge you three percent of all assets under management. So if you give me a million dollars and you lose half, I still got to charge you three percent or half a million dollars. With with my business, I don't charge anybody anything. The companies we broker we broker these policies with all these major insurance companies. They pay us. You don't pay us. It's a it's a win win no matter what. And so for me, that's why I'd rather be in this industry than in the other one. And that's why people not a lot of people are in this in this industry because people chase money, people chase the commission. I'm not in it for that. If if I can help if I can help others, if I can bring value to others, and there's money that's going to come in return without coming out of this individual's pocket, it's a win win. You, you talked about the stigma of finances, and I think that's really what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. you, you captured it really, really well. Okay, so what impact, as we get ready to finish up, what impact are you going to leave on this world? That anything's achievable. That anything's achievable. 
Um, I think the, the, the craziest time recently in my life was probably around 2015. Okay. It's when I told my wife, I'm going to get into real estate. Um, I'm all, and in the middle of that, I decided to go to graduate school. Uh, I was coaching three soccer teams at the YMCA. Uh, and I was working 13 hour shifts, the night shift. Mm -hmm. So that was in, so by 2016, I was starting my real estate business. I was still going to school. Uh, I went to school from five to 10 PM. My shift started at 8 PM, I think, or 9 PM. So I always had to use vacation time so I can come in late. Then after work, especially on the weekends, if I had showings, I'd call my wife and be like, I'm sorry, I'm not coming home. I'm going to take a nap in the parking lot, shower here at work, and then drive to my showings. Then I have homework. So I'm just going to go to the library, knock out my homework, go back to sleep in the parking lot until my shift starts and then go to work. That lasted for about a year or two uh, when I, when I was in real estate. Fast forward to now, I look back and I'm like, that wasn't that bad. And now where I'm at now, I'm like, that wasn't that hard. So my goal, my, my goalposts will never stay constant. It will continue moving forward. And I want to show everybody that just do the work. Just do the fucking work. I am not the smartest guy. I'm not the fittest guy. I'm not the healthiest guy. But I do the work to achieve the goals that I want and to provide the lifestyle that I want to give my family. And again, if I wasn't married and if I didn't have kids, I would be the richest homeless person ever. <laughs> Cause I would be so happy. That's it. That's his new brand. By the way. <laughs> I would. And, 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 and don't take everything so seriously. You got to, especially in business, my prestige worldwide. One of my companies is, is, is named that. Yeah. Why? Because fuck it. I love stepbrothers. It's an awesome movie. And I learned that from somebody else, somebody who's at the level that I hope to be at one day. Sky flips, I don't know, 50 homes a month. Okay. A month. Uh, and I'm not going to say the name of his company, uh, but it's, well, the name of the company, the DBA is professional, but okay. the LLC is the most ridiculous thing I've Amazing. ever heard. And it's awesome. Um, have fun. Have fun with life. Have fun with everything. Um, remember, negative things are always temporary. They're always temporary doesn't matter it, it comes it comes to your mindset you know um it's it's been the last couple weeks have been have been tough for me uh with business personally uh, just a lot going on you know we got teenagers at home uh we got all these senior activities coming up you know lifestyles are changing it's been really really hard um what are you talking about in real estate you do whatever you want with <laughs> uh but <laughs> just just always keep your goals you know, in front of you, like for me on my phone, I have, I have, uh, on my photos, I have a folder where I have certain things that I, I will own one day. And I look at it every day. I, I, my truck, my big truck, uh, I manifested that I, I went to the dealership once a week and I looked at trucks that I wanted. And three months later I had it because it reminded me subconsciously, keep working towards your goal, keep working towards your goal. And I think more for me at the end, it was that they wanted 86,000 for it. And after 11 hours of negotiating with the dealership, I got it for 54. Chris Voss would be very proud of it. I just <laughs> want you to know that Chris Voss would be very proud. Yep. Um, the one person in real estate, the one person, this is the final question. And then I, you're going to ask a question. 
Who's the one person that you want to do an interview with in real estate? Josh Altman. Okay. Yeah. It's Josh, if you're listening, yeah. please comment hey, bro, <laughs> when this is going to happen. On. We'll go shooting Come afterwards. On, we're going to tag on, you. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. And then what is the one question I absolutely should have asked you that I didn't ask you? Oh, shit. Well, I didn't even know what the fuck you were going to ask. So Exactly. <laughs> So you um, had to come in with one question that I should have asked you that I didn't ask you. Since becoming an entrepreneur, if there's anything different I could have done, what could it have been? That's fucking hot. Go. Believe it or not, I should have continued living a healthy lifestyle. Okay. I let my health fucking deteriorate. Um, now, mind you, I, I did get really big because of an injury, but I lost that weight. And I was doing really well. I was getting, I was very disciplined with my diet. I was working out. I was rehabbing. I, I was doing very well. And as business grew and continued and started eating up more of my time, I started pushing away my health. It went from, you know what? I don't have time. Let me go get a hot dog at 7 yeah. Eleven. You know what? I'm too tired of meal prep tonight. But tomorrow, I'll go to Pollo Loco and just get a salad with, with, with chicken. Oh, Jack in the Box is there. Fuck, fuck yeah, burger sounds good. Fuck up, fuck up some yeah. Jack in the Box? Yeah, and then, uh, you know what? I'm too tired. I'm not going to go to the gym today. I'll go in the morning. And then I don't go to sleep till like 12. Ah, no, you know, they say get eight hours of sleep. But I'm going to be up at five no matter what. Uh, you know what? I'll just toss and turn in bed instead. And, that, and then now it's just, it's an afterthought. So that's honestly the one thing I probably would do differently. And it's one thing I never take it seriously. And even listening, don't make the mistake that, to pick the brain of people that you look up to and not take their advice. Right. Because though everybody had different advice, but the one thing that was constant with everybody, stay healthy, stay healthy. Stay, and it's the one fucking thing I didn't do. So is that what you're throwing down? Is this like social accountability you're starting now or you've well, already yeah, started? I, I've been started and not for me. And honestly, it's still not for me. Right. It's for my boys. Yeah. Because I see my, 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 my youngest kid, that motherfucker is growing up way too fast. Like he's five, I don't know, five, five five six maybe he's 12 oh, shit. uh and then eric eric's i mean a beast in baseball i wish i had his fucking metabolism though that kid could eat a gallon of of ice cream with two bags of chips and a cow and he'll lose weight you know so but he i, I the potential for them is there um so taking them to the gym is my way of not only being a, a good parent but showing them how to properly work out lift the importance Let's of it go. All, but it helps their future uh you know if andrew's growing through his growth spurt right now then now's the time to take advantage of it uh eric is only two years away for potentially playing college ball so he needs to start bulking up now uh and i need to fucking lose weight because i'm just fucking fat <laughs> here's uh we're gonna end on that note and here's to not being fat anymore yeah, because we fat. need our energy for our kids uh thank you so much for uh joining evolve uh your brand podcast uh please leave your comments below if you have any questions for fh conan by the way where the where can our audience find you? Yeah. What so, are your handles? Let's uh, go. Instagram, uh, efren.chacon.realtor on Instagram. Um, Facebook, I don't know my YouTube. I don't know my LinkedIn. It's all It's all good. Yeah. There, there's only, <laughs> Just find there's, me on Instagram and I'll send you everything. There's only one Laura Chacon. So Laura Chacon, <laughs> thank you so much. And we are out.